This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Happy Friday, WOMED fam. Welcome back. And I'm going to welcome myself to Cleveland because, Jack, this is the first episode. I'm recording from my brand new apartment in Cleveland. Live from from Cleveland. Cleveland Cleveland rocks. I think that's what Drew Carey says. I don't know, but do we still like Drew Carey? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Has he been canceled? It's hard to keep keep up, up, honestly. I don't think so. So give us the, the quick updates on the move and what's been going on. Well, I had... Quite possibly the best send off from Nashville. My friends are so special and so near and dear to me. And I just, I feel so much more confident about taking this step, knowing that I have these beautiful humans that support and love me. Um, They created a really beautiful final night for Michael and I to send us off. It was so special. But yeah, I'm moving into my new space. I'm trying to find a place for everything. But, you know, old age, uh, I shouldn't say old age, but, you know, (laughs) apparently 37-year-old bodies don't move quite, move into and out of places as well as, you know, 26-year-old bodies. And this girl strained her back. But um, Michael's so sweet. He's like, babe, I got you. I'm going to get you a massage. When are you available tomorrow? I will get it booked. You just have to show up. And I'm like, yes, best boyfriend ever. But I also am like, what are we doing for Valentine's Day? Because a couple's massage might be kind of fun. What are you doing for Valentine's Day? This is our Valentine's Day episode. So what are you doing for Valentine's Day? Not sure. I'm hoping he has something like really sweet planned. But I also think it'd be kind of cute because Valentine's Day is like on a Tuesday. I was kind of thinking, well, maybe we could do something fun with Mm. James and do like, I don't know, just kind of like a make some like fun art or like a love filled little like dinner day with him. And then maybe the adults can have some fun on the weekend. I don't know. (laughs) There you go. So I had plans for Valentine's Day. My single ass self was going to go out with my beautiful single friends and do something fun. But Dr. Mm -hmm. Fisher kind of like put the finger up at me and told me that maybe I need to change my plans because I don't know, guys, I've I've been dating a little bit. And uh, well, anyway, I don't want to give too much away. I guess you'll have to listen to this entire episode and get all the way to the end to hear what Dr. Fisher has to say about what I should do on Valentine's Day. But anyway, if you guys didn't listen to our episode last year on Valentine's Day, we had Dr. Helen Fisher on before. We love her so much. She is a biological anthropologist, a senior research fellow at the Kinsey Institute, and the chief science advisor to Match.com. You guys, she has written six books on love, the evolution of love, biology, the psychology of human sexuality, gender and the brain, neurochemistry of romantic love, so many things. She has even given multiple TED Talks and is considered a TED all-star, meaning she has over 21 million views of TED Talks. What? I know. Okay, so catch us on the other side of this episode. Welcome, Dr. Fisher. Fisher. 
Dr. Fisher, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I'm delighted. I'm delighted and I'm just fine. And how are you? (laughs) (laughs) Great. I'm in love. Totally met the love of my life. And Jack is recently divorced and thriving. And <laughs> hot start to the episode. Yeah. We we've totally uh switched spots, but <laughs> we're both really happy. So that's really great. how long have you been going out with him? Uh I actually met him. I went back on Paradise this summer and uh-huh. I met him on Bachelor in Paradise. So All right. yeah. All right. Yeah, right. no, I know it actually worked. So, but we both have very similar backgrounds. We both have um, lost someone very significantly. So, like, we get each other on grief. But we started out as like really good friends, and it just totally was able to cross the friendship barrier. And it's like the best safe love I've ever experienced. It's very intentional. It's very very conscious. So we're very, very excited. Yeah. Excellent. You know, people in good relationships live something like uh, 10 years longer. So here you're we saving go. your health as well as your mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love another extra 10 years with him. So <laughs> yeah. good. Yes, they are very in love. It's very sweet. It's great. It's wonderful. I I really like people who are in love. Some people don't like people who are in love because I guess they're jealous or uncomfortable. I think it's absolutely charming. It just it's such a glow. You you capture some of the same glow they've got, and you know it's just wonderful. Oh, I love that. <laughs> well, you joined us last year for our Valentine's Day episode, and we thought it'd be really really amazing to have you back on for another Valentine's Day episode, um, to talk through what the new dating trends are that you've seen and studied in um, the Singles in America study. And obviously we have our like own personal questions that we want to pick your brain about. We've all done the personality test. I had Michael do the personality test. So we'll have to see what you, what you think. Of oh, I can't wait stuff. to hear about that. Yeah. You've got to be high estrogen. Are you high estrogen? Yeah. So I am still a negotiator slash builder. Oh, and he is, let me pull up his results here. He is an explorer and negotiator. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. An explorer and the builder, they're very different. Mm-hmm. Negotiators are very similar. Yeah. Do you have any trouble making a decision? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the big problems of two negotiators. They can both think of a million different ways of doing something, thinking something, everything, and so that they can just get, you know, indecisive. So, yeah. Yes. He balances me out on that a lot. Well, why don't we just start with the personalities real quick um, for anyone that's listening that hasn't caught up on the first episode that we had you on. Would you mind uh, explaining the four different personality types just really quickly? And then we'll kind of talk about the personality types and then we'll kind of end with the Singles in America study. Is that okay? Anything's fine. Anything is just Perfect. fine. Um, okay. The four personality. I actually don't use them as types. I use them as styles because we all express more than just one of them. I think that's one of the big mistakes of, of the Myers-Briggs test and all this. They put, put you in a cubbyhole and the brain doesn't really work in cubbyholes. But 
there are patterns to personality. And that's what you guys were talking about. And it started for me in 2005 when two days before Christmas, Match.com called me and said, wanted me to come in. So, of course, I came in directly after Christmas. And um, in the middle of that morning, the CEO said, why do you fall in love with one person rather than another? And at the time, I said, well, I mean, there's all kinds of cultural reasons. You know, you tend to fall in love with somebody from the same socioeconomic background, level of intelligence, good looks, education, uh, same religious and social values, you know, same reproductive and economic goals. I mean, your childhood always plays a role. But I'm sure, as I told you last year, you know, you walk into a room and everybody's from your background and same level of intelligence and you don't fall in love with all of them. So that's what drove me to start to look into the brain, because I study the brain anyway, to look for any trait at all linked with any biological system. Because I began to think, OK, maybe Mother Nature sort of designed it so we would be naturally drawn to some people rather than others. So anyway, I spent several years at it and I was able to find that, I mean, there's all kinds of things happen in the brain. I mean, you know, it keeps your eyes blinking and your heart beating, but there's not linked with personality traits. But anyway, there are four brain systems that is each one of them linked with sort of a constellation, a, a pool, a group of personality traits. So I wanted to see, whoa, how many of these traits in each one of these systems do we express? And so I created a questionnaire. It's now been taken by 15 million people in 40 countries, including the two of you. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to say 15 million and 0002. <laughs> and, three, three, including Michael. Three, yes. including oh, Michael. good. I want to hear about it. So anyway, the bottom line is, as I said, 15 million people have taken this questionnaire. So I'm able to watch who's naturally drawn to home. Mm, and it's very mm -hmm. interesting that I'm not sure you guys are part of the most natural pattern, which is fine. There's no bad matches as long as you get along, obviously. But some probably evolved more likely than others. So anyway, if you're very expressive of the traits in the dopamine system in the brain, you tend to be novelty-seeking, risk-taking, curious, creative, spontaneous, energetic, mentally flexible people. These people are generally drawn to people like themselves. Well, that's not exactly what <laughs> what you just mentioned, but and that's the explorer, right? That's the term you yes. label as the explorers. Okay, yeah. the explorer, and then is the builder, and the builder is expressive of traits in the more expressive of traits in the in the serotonin system, traditional, conventional, follows the rules, respects authority detail-oriented, not necessarily interested in the big idea, like all the details, like the processes, like the schedules. They tend to be more cautious. They tend to be um, more religious, not all of them by any means, but religiosity is in the serotonin system. And um, they're also drawn to people like themselves, uh, mm. other traditional people. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, the last two are drawn to their opposite. High testosterone mm. people, I call directors, are drawn uh, to high estrogen people, negotiators. So if you're very high on the testosterone scale, you're going to be analytical, logical, direct, decisive, tough-minded, skeptical, good at things like math, engineering, computers, music. And you're drawn generally drawn to your opposite, the high estrogen negotiator. These people, they see the big picture. Uh, they they see long they think long term they're holistic uh, uh, synthetic um, 
uh, contextual thinkers. They're very imaginative. They're very good at reading posture, gesture, tone of voice, and verbal skills. They're called executive social skills. And um, they tend to be nurturing, uh, empathetic, and and really good at intuition. We actually know what intuition is going on in the brain. You're actually collecting a whole lot of data very rapidly from a lot of different brain regions and coming up very rapidly um, with what's going on. So anyway, these are the four. And in terms of my case, my new husband and I were both very high dopamine. It really was great. Um, you know, he's traveled all over the world. He constantly wants to do something new. Uh, we're constantly reading a lot of new books together. We cuddle in bed and do books on tape, et cetera. So that's cool. And he's very high in testosterone and I'm very high in estrogen. So that's cool too. Although, I mean, Christ, he wants me to have a keep a calendar. Uh, you know, this mutual calendar of every single thing, you know, our 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 days, what we're doing. Man, I can barely push those buttons. I mean, I, really, I just want to write it down on the same old address book I've used for 25 years. It's so techy. But anyway, there's beautiful parts of him. I mean, he's got the, our houses, you know, I, we're, we're LAT. I think I told you we've got two separate places. I'm and I, we go back and forth, but he's got his place really put together. And, um, but the thing is, he's higher on the serotonin system. He follows the rules. I don't follow the rules. I mean, I, I don't mind if, I mean, I don't want to be roadkill, but <laughs> I'll stop at a stop sign. Generally, I won't stop at a stop sign if it's the middle of a desert and nobody's coming. He will. He will. Tell me about your sweetheart and you. So Michael is actually very, very empathetic, very emotional and in like a really good way. And like we can like read each other. We can talk to each other. Very, very great at creating like a safe space. He's a single dad. He lost his wife about four years ago to breast cancer. And he's just kind of had to really be both parts. You know, he had to be both mother and father to his son. And, you know, and like really try to create like both sides of that, like more masculine and like feminine sort of energy together. But he's actually good at it because he's scored he's really high good at negotiator it. scale. I mean, yeah. he didn't force himself. I mean, we can mm-hmm. act out of character, but he's basically largely a negotiator. I love that example because people assume yeah. that all negotiators are women and they aren't. Mm-mm. I mean, I think Obama is very high on the estrogen scale. I think Bill Clinton is and your husband is. But then you said to me before that you have a hard time making a decision. That is so standard of <laughs> two negotiators. <laughs> he can do it. He can like, he'll, he like wants to do whatever like I want to do, but like, mm-hmm. He he's way better at making decisions and, and like laying out plans and stuff than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to have a plan. I'm just not great at making a plan. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where your builder comes in. Mm-hmm. You like having yeah. the plan. I mean, I don't yes. even need the plan, uh, yeah. let alone make the plan. Um, <laughs> but when you just said to me that he wants sort of to do what you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that should be in any, any kind of relationship, really. Yeah. Uh, that's something that you really mentioned is characteristic of him. Mm-hmm. And I think that, the, and that, 
is the opposite with me. I just sort of want to do it. My I'm the negotiator like you and him. And uh, I want to do what my husband wants to do. He'd like to do what I like to do. But basically, he's the driver because he's the high testosterone. So with the two of you, well, I'm glad he's, Michael steps up anyway and makes Oh, he point. does. He really <laughs> does. <laughs> so I took the quiz too. And Dr. Fisher, I think you and I are very similar. So I scored 83% on the Explorer. When I was like looking at the, uh, just I would, before I even took the quiz, I, I read the description. And I was like, oh yeah, that one's me 100%. Um, so it was mostly the Explorer and then... And then the negotiator, but mostly the explorer by far. So no. I'm single. <laughs> it's been really fun being single for about the past year. I've been really dating, I'd say, for the last like eight months or so in a lot of different situations. I meet people in real life. I meet people on dating apps. I've been set up through friends. I'm curious. I know you've said that explorers tend to go for explorers. What are some of those other traits that you think that personality type should look for? Because I do agree. I, when I've been dating, the guys that I tend to have the most common with and the guys I can see a future with are people that are also really well-traveled, kind of go with the flow, exciting kind of personality types. Well, that's good. I think you should keep at it. <laughs> I think, <Nice. laughs> you know, the explorer and the builder, I mean, they're very opposite. And um, now they can really work together because the explorers might end up saying, oh, let's take the new baby and walk up, you know, Mount Kilimanjaro. And the builder's going to say, hang on, pal. We're not doing that. You know, <laughs> whereas two explorers, you'll probably say, oh, oh okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Get so yourself you into some trouble. trouble. You know, but the bottom line is you're never going to be bored. You know, mm -hmm. uh, explorers cannot tolerate boredom. No. You know, no. when I asked about there's one question, you know, on that questionnaire, you know, uh, and it's a and it's a forced choice. You know, would you let's see what is it? Uh, um, would you rather have interesting friends or loyal friends? Now we all want interesting friends and we all want loyal friends, but the high dopamine explorer cannot tolerate uninteresting friends, and the high serotonin builder really says they would prefer loyal friends to interesting friends. Was that true of you, Danielle? Um, I think when I was answering these questions, I answered them out of like a more current situation that I'm in and like having just moved. And I mean, like I think all my friends are incredibly interesting, but they're also incredibly loyal. So I think, you know, they just had this huge send-off party for me. They're all like super talented, like chefs and musicians. And they did this massive farewell meal and concert for me that like, like house concert, it was just very special, but I just felt more loyalness from them mm -hmm. and like love and like, but also in awe of how interesting and talented they are. So I think I equated it more as like, was thinking about the loyal people that, you know, showed up and were like really intentional as opposed to I think I think too big about these questions when I'm trying to answer them. That's the high estrogen. That is the high estrogen. You can see it in different ways. And it's a wonderful characteristic. Yeah. You know, because, uh, I mean, it drives some of these high testosterone people because they think, oh, my God, ancillary data. Where are we going? Where's the goal? Let's focus here. But two negotiators, I mean, I can go anywhere you go, you mm -hmm. know, because mm -hmm. I'm another negotiator. And, you know, and in fact, we all three can because we're all 
high negotiators. But, you know, one thing that was mentioned uh, before is we're not just one thing. So, you know, as you had said before, you know, you're an explorer negotiator. Well, sometimes all that explorer is going to come out. And at other times, the negotiator will come out. I mean, for example, when I'm at my desk, I'm a complete explorer. I'm not trying to please anybody. Now, I've got some negotiator tendencies then because I've got to find the right word as I'm writing something down. I've got to make it coherent. I've got to think of a lot of possibilities before I come up with what I think is the correct one, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm not people pleasing. I'm not expressing empathy. Um, I'm not watching posture, gesture, tone of voice. I'm basically being an explorer. And then when I when I get with you guys or somebody else, you know, I'm much more of the negotiator. So you can switch, of course, mm-hmm. from one to the other. But some of them are really rather unnatural. Mm-hmm. And others are much more natural to you. That makes complete sense. <laughs> so we'll definitely leave the link to the quiz in the show notes. So anyone that's listening can go take the quiz. It literally takes not even five minutes and go find your personality type. It's so interesting to see how this plays out in romantic relationships and in friendships, all sorts of relationships. But I really want to pivot and dive into this year's singles in America study. So tell us some of the top things that you noticed. I was kind of reading through the website and looking at your papers already And I've noticed some changes, but let's hear it from you. What are some of the big changes that we have seen? Well, first of all, I can't wait to see what changes you noticed, because uh, I've been focused on this year. And, you know, uh, so I'd like to hear from you, too, uh, on my data. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) bottom line is, I think the single most important fact, well, first of all, for anybody who's listening, who hasn't listened to this before, I'm I'm the uh, chief science advisor to Match.com. And annually, I do this study called Singles in America. And I and my colleagues uh, come up with about 200 questions. Some of our trend questions that we've asked before and watching the trends. Others are new questions. Like we asked a lot about Roe v. Wade this year and about the uh, in- inflation and all that kind of thing. But anyway, we do not poll the match members. It's not a match study. They, uh, they pay for it, but they sponsor it. But the sample we use is 5,000 Americans. Every age, age 18 to uh, 91, 90, 71 plus, uh, rural, suburban, urban, every part of the country, uh, gay, straight, et cetera, et cetera, uh, black, white, Asian, Latino. So it's a national representative sample of singles based on the U.S. Census. So, it, so it's real science. And I think the single most stunning thing for me this year was I compared 2019 um with 2022. And here was the question. Would you like to meet somebody who wants to marry? And in 2019, 58% of singles said, yes, yeah, I'd like to meet somebody who wants to marry. In 2022, 74% of singles said, yes, they want to meet somebody who wants to marry. Now, I think it was 76% um, last year. So the bottom line is, my question was, are these trends towards stability just a fluke or is it a real trend since the end of the pandemic? And I'm beginning to think it is a real trend. Singles now are more and more concerned about settling down and they're very determined at it too. I mean, men now want a woman who makes just as much money, 
women have always wanted a man who makes just as much money, so that's not news. But now men want a woman who makes just as much money, who's just as educated, and who has a successful career, not just a job, but a successful career. So we're really seeing the rise of women in the workforce. Now, we've been seeing that since the early 1910, et cetera. But the bottom line is the set, we're, we're, we're moving more and more and more towards the double income family, towards people who want to settle down and settle down with somebody, uh, a, a woman who is just as uh, productive uh, as 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 um, as they are, so and they want to marry. Singles now want to marry. They don't want to have children, which mm-hmm. is upsetting to a mm-hmm. lot of people. But they do want to marry. I'm not as upset about the children. That's gone down. It's gone from about eighty percent to about sixty one percent. That's a real dive in the number of people who want to have children. Everybody's upset about that, but me and. We've got an awful lot of people in the world. I do know that this generation is going to be heavily pressured to to support generations that are older than them. But mm-hmm. after this gets resolved, I think we're going to have more and more families with either one or two children, maybe no children, but a lot of them are going to have mm-hmm. at least one child. And when you have very few children, they get a better education. Uh, they get more op- uh, job opportunities. Uh, uh, and they get much more parents focus on them. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting as an anthropologist, you know, for millions of years, apparently anthropologists think that a woman tended to have about four or five children, bored, bore about four or five children, but only about one or two lived to adulthood. And so what I think we're seeing now is a movement, movement back to sort of sustained fertility instead of an awful lot of fertility. Uh, now, some groups of people are having more children, and others are having less. There's always going to be an impact. I know that. I know that the um, Catholics are having more children, for example. Well, it doesn't bother me that the Catholics are having more children. Uh, but the bottom line is, you guys now, the young, are a very serious generation, and I see just a huge amount of, of that effect. Do you think we're more serious or do you think we're, you know, maybe just being more intentional? Because like I feel I feel like I'm very aware or maybe this generation is just more aware of how their parents live their lives and like they just like worked and worked and worked to live. And I feel like this generation has kind of changed more to like they want to enjoy, they want to be in, you know, happy relationships and spend like spend their money on on fun stuff you know um and and that's coming from me who's like like lower middle class like growing up but you know we didn't have tons of stuff coming in but we were also just like me and my brother family but i don't know i just feel like people are being more intentional but i'm wondering if you're if you're seeing that kind of shift too absolutely in fact uh, you guys are ambitious we're very you ambitious. You <laughs> careers. Uh, I mean, you're serious about it, and you're serious about love. Sure, you want to have fun, and that's why you don't want to have children right away. But a lot of you will have children in their early, your early and middle 30s, and you know, you'll settle into that. But you know what? You're going to take your babies with you. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to stay home. I honestly Mm-mm. think that, you know, 
I mean, you know, and what's interesting is when I asked, you know, what kind of partner are you looking for? And as it turns out, they really today want a partner who is a teacher, who has a career in the uh, improving the environment, mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as a partner who's in some sort of nonprofit. Uh, I mean, they're ambitious. Mm-hmm. You guys are ambitious. Mm-hmm. But a great many of you don't want to be the CEO of a major corporation and work for 100 hours a week. Mm-mm. You really <laughs> want that, you know, that balance. It's the young that don't want to go back to work. I mean, you you want to go back to work, but you want it all hybrid work. You know, I mean, you want to stay at home and, and be more relaxed and not do all that commuting. And I would have thought that it was the young who would want to go back to the office five days a week because it's a bit of a party when at five o'clock, you know. And mm-hmm. if you stay at home, there's no party at five o'clock. I mean, you, you have to generate your own party, but it's not a part of the work day. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I, I you you do, and you want to be you want to be healthy. You mm-hmm. want to be mentally um, mm. stable. It's amazing how interested um, the young are. I'm not amazed, but but um, uh, uh, in in really wanting to care for their mental health, their physical mm-hmm. health. You guys want a lot of sleep, and you you want to do it your way. It's, it's a very interesting generation. I'm crazy about Gen Z and millennials. I mean, you're really. Um, pioneering something i mean you know you're very serious (laughs) and i think you're gonna i mean so many of you wanting to settle down with somebody now you're not going to do it rapidly Mm -hmm. you're going to get to know the person before you settle Mm -hmm. down i'm sure last time i talked to you about my whole concept of slow love love. you know in my day people were married in their very early 20s now they're married in their very late 20s or early 30s and Mm -hmm. as a result um, you know, this long period of pre-commitment in your 20s when you get to know yourself, um, when you're trying out people. I mean, you're not squares. Uh, you're having <laughs> your one night stands and you're friends with benefits. One thing that's really interesting that I found this year, this is a trend question. I've asked it every year. Uh, not every, but almost every year. The question is, have you ever fallen madly in love with somebody who you initially didn't find attractive? And up until this year, now we've got data on 12 years, up until this year, um, something like the most was 33% of people said, yeah, yeah, I, I ended up falling in love with somebody I didn't initially find attractive. This year, 49% say mm. um, that they have uh, um, initially, you know, eventually fallen in love with somebody they did not necessarily initially find attractive. That says something to me. It says Singles are giving people a chance. Thank mm-hmm. God. I mean, they're not so focused on love at first sight and, oh, going out with somebody once and saying, oh, we don't have chemistry. They are trying to get to know people. And I I really like that. Um, and as I must have said last time that, you know, we see this whole new courtship phase of, of video chatting before mm-hmm. the first date. And mm-hmm. that's good. They're having more meaningful conversations, more trans self-transparency, honesty, uh, and and less focused on looks and more focused on on um uh financial stability. So it's a generation, mm-hmm. you know, people this that's why, you know, I study I study people from age 18 to 71 plus. I mean, there's people who are in their 90s. But the bottom line is people of reproductive age who set all the trends for the future and what those of reproductive age, Gen Z and millennials are doing is 
They're looking now for a long-term partner. They're eager to marry. They're figuring out who they are. They're really focused on helping the environment, uh, 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 et cetera. And the one, another thing that I found this year, which was really, I'm not at all surprised, but we studied Roe v. Wade. I mean, got to study Roe v. Wade. Yeah. You know, it happened this summer. And what we ended up finding was that two out of three women will not date somebody um, who has opposing views on abortion. Will not do it. And almost one out of five have lost friends even um, because uh, uh, they had different opinions. So you guys are very involved. You're more interested even in the Roe v. Wade than you are in politics. And of course, my friends at Match and people who were analyzing this data with me said, why would that be? But from a, from a basic Darwinian perspective, you know, presidents come and go. Mm-hmm. Your children don't come and go. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, if you just, if you, you know, aren't ready to have a child, can't financially do it, don't have a partner and get pregnant, it's hard these days to get an abortion. And mm-hmm. this is something, I mean, women for millions of years, it was essential to them to have their babies when they could support them. And this has been slipped out from under them. And mm-hmm. so I am not surprised that today people care more about Roe v. Wade than they do about politics. And they do. It's your future. It's your it DNA. Is. Wow. It's how you survive as a creature by sending your DNA into tomorrow. And people have tampered with this basic human right to raise your children when you want to. I'm not surprised people are upset. And so you, your data showed that not only is this an important decision for people when they're choosing a, a person to date, but it's also changing dating behaviors. It's changing yes. mm-hmm. how more hesitant people are to having sex and how more hesitant people are to actually dating, which I think is so interesting. And that makes, I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like you said, from like a, 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 a common sense standpoint right but it's just it's heartbreaking like that people are more hesitant to even date certain people because of this you know fear kind of underlying in the back that is so for sure and what's interesting thank you for raising that um is because we asked that very question um you know uh are you more hesitant to date and 9.8 million Single Americans said, yes, they are more hesitant to date. So somebody in our team, and it wasn't me, but it was a genius idea. They said, they said, well, okay, if 13% of singles are more hesitant to date, and singles are just about a third of adult American population, and they're not hes- they're hesitant to date, that translates into how much money are they not going to spend? because they're hesitant to date. Mm. And we came up with $117.4 billion (laughs) that these singles who are hesitant to date might not spend. So this is not just an impact on women and on men. It's an impact on the economy, uh, which could be really contribute continually to, you know, our, our, our our economic problems. So what I'm hearing is Again, controlling women's bodies has a direct effect on the economy. Yes, absolutely. 
<laughs> well, speaking of the economy and inflation, I love that this data set also showed that people are looking to more casual dates instead of the fancy dinner and drinks. And are you attributing that to mostly inflation or are you thinking or does any of the data show or just on anecdotal evidence? Do you think that maybe post pandemic people are just kind of like used to just chilling out? Let's just go for pizza. Let's just do something kind of casual. Why do you see that? Why do you think that data is there? I think um, uh, I think it's a combination of both, but uh, but the bottom line is I, I would say it's largely with for inflation. Now we didn't ask mm-hmm. about that last year, so um, I I am guessing, but we certainly asked a great deal about it this year. And as it turns out, thirty percent of singles today would prefer to uh, have a free activity. You don't you know like a walk in the park or a, a mm-hmm. boat or whatever, a bicycle ride or whatever, something that you don't cost spend any money. Uh, 29% would like to, that's, that's almost one third, um, would prefer to go to someplace cheap, uh, someplace nearer home so they don't have to spend a lot on gas. Or Ubers. Yeah. said that one out of four were more open to a home-cooked meal. Now, that's amazing because people, when you don't know anybody, some, the person, why would you have a home-cooked meal with them? But no. in fact, 26% say um, they're more open to a home-cooked meal. 25% are more open to just having coffee or drinks, not nothing, no dinner. Um, and 24%, that's one out of four again, uh, you know, uh, are open to having a, a very inexpensive meal. Now, I don't know quite what mm-hmm. that means, whether it's a, a little bistro or whether they're literally going to have a hot dog in the park, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, or, or, or you know, um, you know, McDonald's. Uh, but the bottom line is, I do think that the the financial things that is, is, is central to it. Mm-hmm. Wow. If anything, I would just play an old guess that after being locked up for two years, if you got any money at all, you'd like, you'd prefer to go out to a fancy right. restaurant. Mm-hmm. Right. You'd prefer yeah. to take wow. somebody. You prefer to do something exciting and new and, you know. Oh, that's so wild to me that most people would be, or like one out of four would be interested in doing like a home cooked meal. It's like, these are like first date options or initial dating. Um, well, yes, I mean, if there, what, what, I can't remember the exact question, okay. um, but the question is something like, you know, has the inflation affected the way you court? That's probably what it is. Mm. And then you can check right. various boxes. So. Speaking of the way that people court now, this is probably the biggest question that I think if I'm just chatting with my single girlfriends or even my single guy friends and we're we're talking about what it's like to be single in 2023, the first thing that comes up is dating apps. And I know in your TED Talks before you've talked about that technology does not, in fact, change love, but it has changed the way that people court. And we have so many options. It is exhausting. Now that I am single again, I just, I downloaded one dating app and it wasn't really going well. So I downloaded a different one and it's like a part-time job swiping through these people and thinking, thinking all these dates, all these options that it starts to feel really overwhelming. I want to hear your expert advice on how to handle these dating apps and just overall, like, I have so many questions. Let's start with that. I just want to generalize. What are your thoughts? How should I handle these dating apps? And then I have a follow-up question, but you go first. Well, the bottom line is there, um, there's nothing wrong with the dating apps. 
I don't even call them dating apps. I call them introducing apps. That's all they do is introduce. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Love that. I mean, it's amazing how many academics will say, oh, it's going to change love. It can't change love, for Christ's sake. You know, I mean, you get on, you, you, all they do is introduce you. That's all they do. Then you get to, you either meet them on, um, you know, video chatting or you meet them in person. You look, you smile the way you always did. You laugh the way you always did. You assess the way you always did. You parade the way you always did. So they're not, it's just the newest way to do the same, same old thing. But the problem is they're so new that people don't know how to use them. And so mm. they, and that's what you're doing. <laughs> and probably it sounds like it, you're binging. And the bottom line is, <laughs> and the brain can't do that. The brain, you mm. know, the brain can cope. Literally, this is not my work, but somebody else's work. Uh, Sheena Iyengar is the main person. The brain can cope with about five to nine choices. And then after that, it mm. chooses nobody because it's, it's called the paradox of choice or cognitive overload. And you just get overloaded and you can't remember anything. I mean, that's why you call it work. It is work mm -hmm. because you've got too many options. Mm -hmm. You've gotten overloaded. So I would say the very first thing you should do is after you've met nine people, met nine people, either through video chatting or on a first date, get off the dating site and get mm. to know at least one of those. If you're serious, you know, get to know at least one of those people more. Uh, that's number one. Number two, there's a huge brain region that I do study because I study love. It's a huge brain region in the ventromedial prefrontal cortex for anybody who cares, um, associated with what is known as negativity bias. We remember mm -hmm. the negative. And so you get on these introducing apps. You have one conversation. You realize that, oh, he likes cats and you like dogs. And you say, ah, this won't work. Or you go out on a date and he's wearing really strange looking shoes or socks or something. And you say, nah, I can't bring that guy around at my friends. And so you, you dump him. You don't give it a second chance. So the bottom line is think of reasons to say yes instead of mm -hmm. no. In other words, yes. give people a chance. And that may be the only pair of clean socks he had. You don't know. You know, and maybe you'll never wear them again. Maybe you can easily just say to him, you know, do you mind wearing decent socks or whatever? But the bottom line is don't binge and think of reasons to say yes instead of no. Do you think that so many people say no because they just know it's so quick to just swipe to the next person and that, well, if I just keep swiping, then I'll find someone that likes dogs and that doesn't have stinky socks. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> You're trying to win life's greatest prize. Which is yes. a dating partner. Well, Dr. Fisher, seriously, I remember when you said that last episode, find reasons to say yes. I have been keeping that in mind with my dating adventures. And I must say, your advice has gone very well. I've been going on dates with really incredible men. Some of them, we don't hit it off right away, are a little bit more shy, but I'll give it a second date, a third date, and ultimately like make more informed decisions. But seriously, for anyone that's listening, Dr. Fisher, I have been taking your advice Same. since You're last sure. year, and it's been going really well, truly. Thank, truly. You. Thank you. It's the way the brain works. You know, mm -hmm. it's just the way the brain works. You got to give people a chance. And as I mentioned before, 49% of people like you are giving people a chance. 
you guys have yes. grown up. You have grown up. Mm-hmm. You're taking this seriously. You're trying mm-hmm. things out. You're giving people a chance. You're looking for the real thing instead of just a good time. Now, everybody wants a good time, but you want a good time with the right person. Uh, yes. And, and well, good for you. Good for you. How are you doing? How are you got any anybody on the line or I've got you know what, Dr. Fisher and Dan- I haven't told Danielle and I haven't caught up either. I had like a, a joke. It was called a roster. I had a roster going of probably like five or six. And right now, one of them is really been having fun with single Jack. Yes, but one of them is starting to take the lead. Great. That's the way it happens. Ooh. One of them is taking the lead to the point where I don't really even want to be swiping on these dating apps. I kind of just want to get to know this one Uh more than the others and take a little mental break from the dating apps. I'm not going to delete them or anything quite yet, but I want to go on more dates with this person than go on a first date with someone else. Absolutely. Is that good? That's good, right? Oh, God, yes. How can that be? (laughs) How about Valentine's Day? Is he going to invite you out for Valentine's Day? He's very romantic. So I already have plans with girlfriends, which I'm excited about. We made these plans before I even met this person. But I'm I'm hoping for a little, like maybe a little uh, gesture. We'll put it that way. A little yeah. gesture. But we're not going out on Valentine's Day. We're not yet. I already had plans, but we'll see. Did he invite you for Valentine's Day? I Not yet, but I guarantee you he will. He is such a sweet, sweet person. And... It is very much an explorer like me, oh. but also the a little bit more analytic, not analytical, but yeah, a little bit more like responsible and analytical than I am. So it's good. I'll keep you updated. I'll keep you posted. You can't change your plans for Valentine's Day? I already made plans with my two other single girlfriends and I don't want to, that would be so, that would be not a cool girlfriend move. Hey, I actually well, met somebody. Well, as far as see I'm you later. As far as I'm concerned, girlfriends should always bow out if you got a man. I honestly <laughs> think so. I would totally bow out. If you were going out with me and you suddenly had a guy that you were really liked and you could send that gesture of Valentine's Day, I would be the very first to say, oh, man, you go for it. I'll figure out something else to do. Plus, you've yeah. got two of them. So they're not, they're, they're not alone. That is, yeah. Okay, that's true. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about it. But Jack, I would totally now, forgo that if I were single. And I would sit at home and like watch something on TV or I'd find something else to go and do. No, I had fun plans with with my two girlfriends to go out. So we'll see. We'll see. But I like where you're thinking, Dr. Fisher. I'll keep you. Po- I'll keep you guys posted. Don't worry. Yeah. I don't want to jinx anything. I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> you're acting like you're beginning to fall for him. <laughs> yeah, you He's are. really sweet. He's very sweet. He's yeah. very sweet. And he speaks Italian. <laughs> oh my god you speak italian <laughs> a little yeah i grew up i'm a, my family's italian and but he speaks very beautifully and very fluently so and but he's american anyway mm-hmm. no he's actually um he i know well now spoiler i hope he's if he's listening congrats you're in the front runner of all these other guys <laughs> but um <laughs> he is uh italian yeah from he was born in italy and lived in italy for the beginning of his life and then they moved to america i see so he speaks italian at home yes uh-huh very cool mm-hmm. i love very, very cultured 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 i love that ah okay enough 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 all right dr fisher we love having you on this will be I an know. annual thing for us as oh, long if, as, as, long as you're willing 
easily. You guys are both so charming. And oh, I want uh, to see, you're my little girls now. And I got to see you get going here. Yes. <laughs> yes. We'll invite you to the wedding. Oh, good. Both, I of, mean, both of them. <laughs> Great. I'm just speaking that into existence already. That's fine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but yes. you would love Michael. Well, happy Valentine's Day, you guys. Yeah, thank happy you. Valentine's Day. You, you know, too. It's going to make you live longer and happier. You got to get the right boy. Man, oh, him. I got him. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you do have him, kid. Rob. So this just speaks into how crazy i'm gonna make it about me again the the last two weeks have been because i didn't know that we had a front runner (laughs) jack (laughs) dr jack professor jack we i know danielle and i have not talked like we talk almost every day still everybody you got everybody relax but we have not like talked on the phone. I mean, like random yeah, little text because we messages. both again new job over here. You literally have been so busy moving. We have not caught up in two weeks. And you, Danielle, like there's a front runner, and like he's he's like he's taken the lead by a lot. He's taken the lead by a lot. Yeah. Okay. Like okay. Yeah. But if you don't cancel your Valentine's your girls' Valentine's Day plans, I'm really worried that Dr. Fisher might come to Chicago and be like. Jacqueline, get your ass on a date with this hot new Italian man (laughs) and go have fun because your girlfriends want you to have some fun because we all know you deserve it. What would Dr. Fisher do? Truly, I know. (gasps) That's the name of this podcast episode. (laughs) What would Dr. Fisher do? Okay, well, obviously, Dr. Fisher's advice has worked for you and it has now maybe not gotten work for me. So. You guys finding reasons to say yes. You can yes, find out more about Dr. Fisher, her work, books, articles, those TED talks that we were talking about, and links to her personality quiz that we talked about all episode. Be sure to do that and find out which one of the four personality types you are at www.helenfisher.com. That's Helen F I S H E R.com. Everything will be in the show notes too. On that note, we are so appreciative of all of your listens, shares, rates, reviews, all of the things. We are sending so much love to you this Valentine's Day episode. Happy Valentine's Day, guys. Womed out. Ooh.